4: Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning,
7: everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and uh, we got a good one today. It's Wednesday, of course, which means uh, armchair politics is coming up in about an hour for two hours of commentary and analysis on uh, local, state, and national news and and headlines with our... uh, 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 Prolific uh, political pundits uh, joining us, our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki on the left and uh, Henry Hatter on the right. They'll be joined by uh, Politico Emeritus, as I like to call him, Woodrow Stanley. Um, But uh, first, we're going to talk about uh, um, billionaire wealth growth during the pandemic and uh, who some of the top uh, profiteers are. With a frequent guest to the show uh, from the Institute for Policy Studies, joining me by phone is uh, Chuck Collins. Hi, Chuck. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Tom. Um, Thanks for having me for the past year the institute for policy studies and americans for tax fairness have been tracking the wealth growth of america's billionaires um actually it's it, you've been tracking it a lot longer than that but yesterday you released a report um that uh encompasses a, a period of time from march 18th 2020 to march 18th 2021 and uh using real-time data from forbes and and probably mm-hmm. other sources as well but uh, what what are some of the highlights of this uh, this new report that came out yesterday
8: well you know i think the context is we've we've had a rough year uh, you know millions of people have lost their jobs they've lost their health they some have lost their lives and uh, you know it's it's been a time where other Frontline workers and others have made this enormous sacrifice. And that's the context to just understand that the, this tiny sliver of billionaires, there are about 657 billionaires in the United States, have seen their wealth increase by $1.3 trillion, more, more than any year in the last decade. Their, their wealth is surging during the pandemic, uh, an increase of over 45%.
7: Was it headed in that direction anyway chuck or or did um, or or is this about uh, benefiting from other people 's suffering Part of it is the uh, well I should say you know we, we have been tracking this for
8: a while so during the during the uh, economic meltdown two thousand and eight two thousand and nine the the total value of the Forbes four hundred, who are all billionaires, actually went down. For three years, so their fortunes declined along with everyone else's. It wasn't until 2013 that that the combined wealth of billionaires in the U.S. returned to what it was in 2007. So that's just the context that you know in the past, uh, it's not a foregone conclusion that billionaires are always going to do better when others are doing worse. Uh, and in some ways, the market has been up high. You know, the stock market overall has has rebounded and 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 then surged um but this, this there's a group of billionaires we we, we kind of call them the pandemic profiteers There's like 50 of them who have seen their wealth go up you know over 100 percent uh and there's 10 that that have seen their wealth go up over uh 300 percent so and and we could talk more about why that is but that's that's just you know kind of eye-popping to see People benefit so much during a time of economic trouble.
7: But when you, when you dub them the pandemic profiteers, um, I, I guess what I'm trying to get a sense of is, is there a trend that was already happening and the pandemic put a spotlight on it? Or are these people that would not have done as well as they did had the pandemic not come along?
8: No, these are folks who have, who have benefited from the pandemic conditions. They've benefited from the fact that more of us are sequestered. We're using online services more. We're using online retail. We're ordering food to be delivered. Uh, we're we're um, uh, using, you know, applying for loans or looking for cars or buying things online as opposed to going to, Main Street businesses. So these are these are billionaires who've benefited from having their competition shut down uh, or or by people being afraid to go instead of going to the used car dealer and looking at a car, I go on to Carvana and I buy it there. Um, you know, or instead of going to a bank and talking to a loan officer, I go to quicken loans. So they wouldn't be getting this kind of wealth if we weren't in a pandemic. Gotcha. And you could say, well, geez, isn't isn't that great? They're they're, uh, they're in the right place at the right time. You know, they're being good entrepreneurs. But it's one thing to say, oh yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. You know, that's like I'm selling lemonade on a hot day. It's another thing when the water's shut off and there's a drought, and you're selling it for ten times more than what it's costs. You know. That's the profiteering aspect.
7: But is is there evidence, at least in what you've uh, seen and uncovered, that uh, that price gouging is a part of this uh, scenario? It's
8: probably less, p- part of it is probably not significant, it's more, maybe not the best example, it's, it's, it's like,
5: more it's a, it's, a, it's a drought,
8: and all your competition has been shut down, and you're the only one. <laughs> How's that, for a better image, you know, it's like... Now you're you talking about Jeff order, Bezos. <laughs> well, online retail globally, you know, and actually, we, we we're about to do a, a, a study that looks at the global billionaires, and uh, it's very similar, you know, the, uh, in Russia, you know, the woman who started something called Wildberries, which is the e-commerce site for apparel, or in China, the, the people who've created the sort of Amazon equivalents are doing really well because their competition has been shut down. Main street businesses are shuttered uh, and people are afraid to go out or, on, you know, they're, for whatever reason, they're buying online and that's boosting their prospects but it's it's hurting all the face-to-face bricks-and-mortar enterprises
7: just before we went on the air chuck we were uh, just chatting a little bit about uh, <laughs> about of all things the weather um, <laughs> but we were both uh, talking about how nice it is that that spring is uh, uh, at least springing a little bit and um, and and we were also talking about a different kind of spring with the vaccine rollout and more and more people getting shots in arms and there being a little light at the end of the pandemic tunnel is what happens to these pandemic profiteers when there's no more pandemic
8: well one concern is that they have uh, captured larger and larger shares of the market. So they're going to have more kind of market monopoly power. So they're, And meanwhile, their competition is, is weakened or reeling financially or even closed. So I'm worried that we're going to see kind of mass consolidation where the the big fish are going to just eat up the little fish and we see further monopolies forming in different sectors. So that's the concern is that uh you know not only will consumers keep their online habits but that the store that they used to go to is gone or it gets bought out or it just can't compete so that's that's one of the concerns is uh and uh you know we should be concerned i guess about monopolies and, and antitrust and keep an eye on all the proposed mergers and acquisitions that are going to come in the post-pandemic economy
7: and and do you think there's going to be a very different post-pandemic economy, or will things just begin to recover and uh, get back to some sense of normal? Well, I think it's going to be a,
8: a rocky couple of years. Just and and I think you know gradually, though, I think all of us would like to go see our neighbors and see our local merchants and you know, visit our local restaurants and, and shops where we've done business. And, um, and hopefully some of them are still there, that they've been able to weather the last year and will weather the next six months till we're, you know, uh, all together again. Uh, but, yeah, I worry about, you know, the places that won't reopen, the places that have uh, the over 200,000 businesses that have permanently closed during the pandemic, um, in a way, I think it's sort of a, I, I would encourage all of us to the extent we are consumers to go back and support our face-to-face enterprises again and, and, and shift our spending away from the online, even though it's convenient and we've gotten accustomed to it. Uh, we're going to miss Main Street, we're going to see the decimation of our Main Street economies if we don't do that.
7: Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to me cuz I was never one much for doing internet transactions um before the pandemic and of course now it's it's become a, a, at least temporarily the new normal. Um but there are some there are some features that I can't imagine doing without going forward. Um you know, curbside pickup at grocery stores and um And grocery delivery for that matter. Those are things I probably wouldn't have done because I like going face-to-face. I I like those excursions.
8: Yeah, I mean, I think we've learned something that uh, not all those face-to-face meetings have, have to happen. We don't have to drive an hour for an hour meeting Maybe we can do it on uh, an online televideo conferencing. Well, that that's fascinating. That but that. Oh, changes.
7: telemedicine is. Huge. Telemedicine, absolutely. I, I so had a, some, I've had some a couple benefits. of doctor's appointments uh, in the last few weeks, and I, I've uh, commented to Sandy and, and others that you know it was I, I just I couldn't believe how much more convenient and uh, um, desirable. It is to do it that way, to to have a doctor's appointment um, if it's, you know, fairly routine by a video chat and not spend that time driving across town and back and sitting in a waiting room for 45 minutes and, you know, all the things, all the trappings that go with a trip to the doctor and all cut down to about 10 or 15 minutes.
8: Yeah, I mean, I think that there are some benefits. There's clearly things we've learned. Uh, and that that's good from a energy conservation point of view, and a time, you know we can use our time to do the more important things of face to face, being with family and caring for each other and that sort of thing. But uh, but it will change, you know. I, I mean, I live in a in a rural area where we have terrible broadband. Um, you know, I think it 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 kind of reminds us. Okay, maybe you know, video conferencing. We need to treat it like public infrastructure, just the way. During the Depression, we rural electri- electrification was important to reach out to rural areas and, and connect everybody. We, we're we're going to need high-quality broadband. Maybe that should be a public utility. Maybe we're not going to pay for-profit well, corporations I, 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 to, I think to provide that see, service.
7: I think we're going to see that evolve. Chuck, I have to take a break here. Can you stick around so we can talk some more? Absolutely. I want to talk about, uh, I, w- I was kind of surprised looking over some of the highlights from the report at where Michigan fits into all this. Um, and we're going to talk about that and more with Chuck Collins from the Institute for Policy Studies when we
5: return. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger, T-I-W-G-R.
4: That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs>
7: Joe Biden from the Blue Lions. Dan
0: Sterling.
9: Congressman Dan Kildee, Alexander Zondrick. actor
3: comedian Jonah of Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow,
8: State Senator Jim
3: Antonic comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic Mark Farner. And
8: Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You have always got great questions and you know the material and you and you care about it, and it's uh it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. Hey Tom, this is my favorite interview all
9: This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey,
7: welcome back, uh, everybody. We continue uh, talking about pandemic profiteering and more uh, from a uh, report from the Institute for Policy Studies uh, that just came out yesterday, uh, just kind of uh, crunching the numbers from the last year. And uh, talking about that, from Institute for Policy Studies is uh, frequent visitor Chuck Collins. Chuck, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, no worries. Um, Good to be with you. All but three states saw the wealth of their billionaire residents increase, topping the the list in total wealth growth. Are California at five hundred and fifty one billion, Washington at one hundred and thirty four point six billion, and New York at one sixteen. Or 116.4 billion, the top three states with the greatest percentage increase in wealth are um, Michigan, Arizona, and Hawaii. And I was surprised to see Michigan top that list. Why was Michigan? Um, why did these states show such uh, a huge percentage increase in wealth uh, over this past year?
8: In 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 the case of Michigan, it's really because of Dan Gilbert, who is the CEO of Quicken Loans. Uh, you know, one person who saw their wealth go up over six hundred percent. I think he started the pandemic six point five six point five billion, and he and it's grown to forty eight billion. And it is because Quicken Loans obviously has grown, but it's also. Uh, people, people are not going to their bank. They're, they're, they're going to Quicken Loans in terms of online financing tools. Um, so that's, that's, he's, he's been the big winner. It's not because the Cleveland Cavs have done that well. (laughs)
7: <laughs> you know it almost sounded like you were going to say he started the pandemic <laughs> oh so I'm sorry he, did. he started the pandemic dot 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 with yeah. 6.5 billion
8: yeah <laughs> yeah
7: that just sounded a <laughs> that's little that's all it
8: took that's all it took to to create a pandemic no uh yeah let me let me rephrase that he he had 6.5 billion uh at the beginning of the pandemic that's what he is, his worth was and no, it, uh, it, it went up a lot it it made <laughs> sense once
7: you completed your thought but that but but that that first phrase uh well he started the pandemic and you know now he's he's rolling in dough um but i but i was surprised to see it, and of course it's you know it says a lot when one person impacts the state's ranking in something like this um but I'm always surprised when, when Michigan hits the top of one of these lists because there's so much in Michigan that doesn't see these benefits.
8: Yeah, that's absolutely the case. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, uh, you know, it's not surprising to see, you know, California and sort of the, the well,
7: tech California bubble. California and states. New York, you expect
8: yeah, and Washington State, you know, sort of the Microsoft and the sort of the tech industry, Silicon Valley, and again, e- Elon Musk, one individual uh, can can up, <laughs> upset the average. Uh, yeah, I think before the pandemic, he was worth like twenty-four billion dollars, and and he he's probably the single biggest gainer globally. His wealth has gone up one hundred thirty-seven billion during the pandemic, and and you can think well. You know, if the stock market is a a betting casino and you're kind of betting on the future and where you think things are going to go, you know, Elon Musk's batteries and technologies and his uh, satellite communications companies, all those things look like the wave of the future. So his companies are well positioned.
7: Well, and you have to admire the wealth of someone who can afford to jettison a car into space. (laughs)
8: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, he he, re- he recently was saying, "Hey, you know, don't criticize me. I'm trying to figure out how to make make space travel possible and habitable." And we're all like, "Well, what about the Earth? Why don't you help us make the Earth more habitable? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like pay your pay your darn taxes and you know help." Uh, but what about somebody going like, to be jetting off? Yeah. But
7: but what about somebody like Elon? Musk, for example, because he's typically thought of as somebody who is interested in making things different and better. Um, Is there a dark side of Elon Musk that's trying not to pay taxes, or is it just the system just doesn't come around and ask for him?
8: you know i th- i think he is somewhat of a unique category because i do think of him as kind of innovating technologies in the right direction yeah i mean he reminds have, us
7: you know i don't i'm sure you remember this probably uh, as well or better than i do but you know i i i grew up in a time when when big companies um you know were doing things that Like, for example, uh, GE, General Electric, their slogan was, we bring good things to life. And we really thought of them that way. You know, they, you know, came out with um, all these labor-saving devices and everybody just fell in love with these new innovations. And there was this real love for them and there was this sense that they were doing things to make life better. And we don't, see that as much anymore but elon musk reminds me of those days a little bit
8: yeah yeah because and and, uh you know you can even say well you know uh there are these companies that have created socially useful things that all of us benefit from and we're we, we appreciate that and we we the founders should be rewarded um what, I just, have this, went, oh, oh. I just ahead, have this
7: feeling with I just have this feeling with Elon Musk that if you or I sat down with him and said, oh, come on, man, you know why why don't you pay your fair share of taxes," I I just have this feeling he would he would turn and say, "Well, nobody asked."
8: Mm, good 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 point. Yeah, I I think his head's in the clouds in more ways than one, and I think maybe uh, you know becoming a parent and. Be, maybe he'll get more grounded, you know, and, and
7: sort of recognize, oh, I <laughs> he, part might he, he, my... he will when he sees the
4: schools, right?
8: Exactly, exactly. I forget the name, his odd name for his uh, child he named after some mathematical formula. But, you know, at some point that, that child's going to want to live in a community and participate in the institutions of life, community life, and they're going to have to notice what's the state of America, <laughs> you know. Uh, but you know, I think, there, I think that there's also this whole group of tech companies that I would say they're just sort of sitting at the way station now collecting tolls on the rest of us, and they're you know, in the classic Keynesian sense, they are renter class. They're trying to connect a, a nickel for every time we, we we go and buy something, or we go to Google and we click something. they are extracting rents from the healthy real economy. Uh so we want an economy where people invent things and start businesses and we also want to protect that economy from sort of the the rentiers, the 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 people who want to put up toll booths along the way and charge everybody a nickel for everything that they do, you know, and make billions off of them.
7: But while these people are are getting wealthy and I, and I'm talking about um uh, the people that are that are really profiteering during the pandemic, um, you know, it just seems—I uh, I don't know—kind of oxymoronic that uh, this is going on at a time when the federal government is coming up with these huge bailouts for the rest of us.
8: Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I think this is a a time where we do have to talk about how are we going to pay. For the deficit spending, yeah, you know, the billions of dollars. I mean, under under the previous administration, they've added seven point eight trillion to the national debt. Some two two trillion of that was a tax cut for the wealthy. Um, now you know the bill is going to come due. So who should pay that? Well, you know, in in, in some ways, all of us are going to chip in. But shouldn't the one tenth of one percent, the richest one tenth of one percent, who have reaped huge windfalls? Including during the pandemic, uh, but over the last couple decades, pay pay a higher percent of that. I do. I believe that. That's why I think a, a wealth tax on the very wealthy is a good idea right now.
7: Is there support for it, or will there be? Um, I don't know. Uh, concerted resistance from other than. Uh, uh, the usual suspects, the, the, the Republicans that um, fight tax increases uh, under any conditions? You know, one of the things that's shifted
8: over the last 10 years that I've seen is these proposals to tax the wealthy, to tax billionaires, are really popular. You know, 70 80% of the public, 60% of Republicans, 70% of independents, they're they're popular. They're more popular than uh, the Republican elected officials think they are. Um, their own base supports them. So, I think the pressure is building. You know, I think we you know when you cut taxes on the wealthy systematically for almost seventy years since since Eisenhower was president, really, um, here we are. You know, where the where billionaires pay twenty three percent of their income effective tax rate. Uh, about the same as a teacher in Flint, you know. So that's got people's attention. And I think there's, you know, growing groundswell. It may not be a wealth tax, but it might be, look, let's increase the higher income tax rate on incomes over 3000000 million. Uh, let's have a uh, a better inheritance tax and a state tax to, to discourage inherited wealth dynasties. Uh, but this Elizabeth Warren wealth tax... Has just remained popular, and I think more and more people see the merits of it.
7: Is that something that uh, Joe Biden is is likely to tackle, or is he spending too much of his political capital on uh, COVID relief?
5: Well,
8: I think that the uh, I think he's making the right choices, which is the first thing we need to do is help people now survive. But his proposal, next, next train uh, down the station is going to be this big uh, infrastructure bill. People are talking about a $3, 4000000000000 trillion infrastructure bill, fix our roads and bridges and power grids and retrofit our buildings and, and put people to work. And the plan there is, well, that's going to be paid for mostly by taxes on the rich. And uh, he has said consistently he's not going to raise taxes on people with incomes less than $400,000. Um, but a lot of these proposals are going to not raise taxes on people with less than a $1 million in income or $5 million in wealth. A lot of them are even more targeted. Uh, so he said, "I, I don't want," you know, "I." he hasn't said I'm not going to support a wealth tax. He didn't campaign on it. But he, he's he been making noises lately like, let's look at the whole menu here uh, and let's put together a fair revenue proposal. Um, so I think we're going to see, you know, between public support and leadership in Congress, uh, we we may effectively tax the rich again.
7: If, he, if he's going to spend um, uh, or propose spending a trillion dollars or more on roads and bridges and, and water systems... Um, you know, we don't have the money. Oh, absolutely, I mean, I mean, I've always we, wanted a Rolls Royce, but I don't have the money. Well, here's
8: the thing: we we there there is the money. Uh, you know, we we uh, and uh, hopefully you, you well you'll have me come back in a month, and I, I have a new book out called "The Wealth Orders." How billionaires pay millions to hide trillions there's yeah. there's several trillion dollars of hidden in trusts and shell companies um, and the fact that we, we there are some taxes that could actually raise that revenue so so we're not in a we have no money situation we have a the wealthy are sequestering trillions of dollars uh, and avoiding taxes that that the rest of us are paying um so uh I would I would question that premise that there's no money. I think there's there's money out there that can be taxed and invested in these things.
7: Did the reduction in taxes um I, I mean we've had this progressive tax system since Lincoln. Um but you know it it pulled back. Did that start with um with Reagan? It uh it actually, you know, under
8: uh President Eisenhower in the nineteen fifties, we had a extremely progressive tax system. Actually the first rate reduction happened under John F. Kennedy. Uh, it it slowly went down. But it's true that it, uh the top tax rate went from fifty percent to twenty eight percent, I think, under Reagan and uh and it's kinda of stayed in that territory. So that was a, a turning point uh in and in, in in shifting the tax code, for sure.
7: And and I remember the the rhetoric of uh, of the time from, you know, Reagan's trickle down economics, which uh, George H. W. Bush called uh, voodoo economics. But um, this this trickle down theory has people have argued that for decades. Has that become sort of a joke?
8: Well, we now have 40, 40 years of uh, in the laboratory, if you will. Uh, we've been cutting taxes on the rich. Uh, it's mostly uh, added to deficits. It's added to uh, speculation in the economy, not real productive investment, and it's added to uh, inequality. Uh, it's what, you know, the, the, the economist Paul Krugman calls a zombie idea that should be dead, but it keeps getting up and walking around, you know. Uh, it trickle down economics is the love child of the super wealthy. I mean, it's sort of like, hey, give me a tax break and I will make everything better. And uh, we now have forty years of evidence that it didn't work.
7: Well, yeah, if they keep holding back on the on the money, they're not they're not they they love to call themselves job creators, and some of them are, but. You just don't see that reinvestment in people that we used to see.
8: That's what it's going to be. I mean, in an interesting way, the stimulus programs during the pandemic, when you actually give people money, low- and middle-income people, it gets spent in a local economy. You give rich people a tax break, it can go anywhere on the planet, right? It's off to... Pacific Rim, it's off to speculative uh, jump on investments. It, it, but if you have consumers who have change in their pocket, that is like a bottom-up stimulus. And that's what actually is the job creator. You know, the entrepreneurs can cycle around uh, and obviously innovators and big idea people and management is not easy. We all appreciate leadership. But what really drives economic growth is a healthy middle class. That's what drove the middle class after World War II. That was the most productive period of fat, fast growth, and it was it was like the rising tide actually did lift lift all boats. Uh, you know, incomes for everybody went up over 40 years.
7: Um, now, the Institute for Policy Studies has been working with uh, Americans for Tax Fairness uh, on this. Report that that came out yesterday that we've been talking about, and other projects as well. Um, but uh, before we run out of time, for listeners who who maybe want to put their money somewhere else, are there? Um, do we have some poster pandemic profiteers who we can share?
8: I mean, uh. Good, good, good organizations, or
7: who are the culprits?
8: Or, oh, the culprits. Uh, you know, I think I think um, I mentioned sort of obliquely that there are these, um, you know, companies that are just sitting there taking rents. I mean, uh, get Google, Facebook, uh, the, the online technology companies, even the telemedicine. You know, it's great that we have telemedicine, but should you know, one or two billionaires become super wealthy off of these basic technologies. Um, and and so I, I, I think, uh, you know, if you think about the top 20 uh, the, that have seen their wealth go up, Steve Ballmer, he, he owns, you know, a, this is Microsoft, which owns the Teams, which is sort of the online video conferencing technology that all of us depend on. Uh, Phil Knight just laid off hundreds of Nike workers as his wealth has gone up almost 80 percent. The 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 Google guys have seen their wealth go up 75 percent each. This is you know uh, maybe some of these technologies shouldn't there shouldn't be so much wealth grabbing
7: associated with them. Um, That's 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 the concern I see. and and probably the best advice then, you know, for, for listeners who, you know, don't want to contribute um, to those things, or or at least would like to see some of their money go to um, Main Street. Um, the the key is uh, get the vaccine, get things back to normal, and and get back to your favorite local mom and pop uh, retailers and restaurants.
8: Well, I, I think that is the key. I think it's not just about supporting our main street economies, which I think is enough. It's also discouraging these huge monopoly enterprises that will actually limit competition and in the end will make us pay more. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think uh, even today you, you mentioned uh, you know curbside pickup and that sort of thing you know it, in some ways it's easier to order a book or something from Amazon but you can also order a lot of those things from your local uh stores and arrange to pick them up and it's you know maybe not come right to your mailbox but it might be close enough um so i think that a little bit of extra effort is how we're going to save our local economies
7: well chuck um we have to kind of wrap things up but as you know i always want to give listeners an opportunity to find out more about what we've been talking about. Of course, the report is online at inequality.org, as well as some of your other uh, writings and and, uh, reports. Um, Any other resources that you care to share with people?
8: Uh, No, I would invite people to check out inequality.org. That's the website I co-edit. And uh, we actually put out a newsletter every Monday that sort of has... uh, we try to have a sense of humor and try to give people a sense of possibility and hope that we can we can build an economy that works for everybody. Uh, so check us out at inequality.org and uh, and check out my new book, The Wealth Hoarders, and I look forward to talking to you more yeah. about that another time.
7: Yeah, well, we'll get into that when that comes out. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. The um, and, and then finally, in the in the remaining minute, did you get your vaccine yet?
8: Well, looks, I'm, uh, looks like on Thursday, I, my eligibility group gets to register online and sign up. So I haven't gotten a vaccine yet, but, uh, I am happy that my 24 year old daughter who works as a librarian in Arizona did get her vaccine because she's really out there on the front lines, um, oh, serving the great. public. So that's, that's great. So that's the good, the good news in our family. And I can wait a couple more weeks. Hopefully it'll be soon.
7: I, uh, I'm I'm going for my first shot today. Hey, all right. So, Congrats. I'm kind of kind of excited about that. I finish up the show and I'm heading out to do a yeah. shot. <laughs>
8: That's fantastic. Get get your get stuck. Well, you know, I I get a little weepy even hearing your public service announcements. There, it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, this is you know, it's important. Yeah, let, let's all come together here. Let's agree on one thing, which is let's well, move, let's get. Chuck get Collins. vaccinated and get out there. Thanks, Tom. Take care.
6: Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
3: While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at Michigan.gov slash COVIDVaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services.
0: to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
2: Good evening and welcome to the Money Program. Tonight, on the Money Program, we're going to look at money. Lots of it on film and in the studio. Some of it in nice piles, others in lovely clanky bits of loose change. Some of it neatly counted into fat little hundreds. Delicate fivers stuffed into bulging wallets. Nice, crisp, clean checks. Pert pieces of copper coin is thrust deep into trouser pockets. Romantic foreign money rolling against the thigh with rough familiarity. Beautiful, wayward, collicued banknotes. Filigree copper plating cheek by jowl with tumbling hexagonal milled edges rubbing gently against the terse leather of beautifully balanced bank books. Sorry. But I love money. All money. I've always wanted money to handle, to touch, the smell of the rain-washed florin, the lure of the lira, the glitter and the gory of the guinea, the romance of the ruble, the feel of the franc, the heel of the deutschmark, the cold, antiseptic sting of the Swiss franc, and the sunburned splendor of the Australian dollar. I've got 90,000 pounds in my pyjamas. I've got 40,000 French francs in my fridge. I've got lots of lovely lira, now the Deutschmark's getting dearer, and my dollar bills will buy the Brooklyn Bridge. There is nothing quite as wonderful as money. There is nothing quite as beautiful as cash. Some people say it's folly, but I'd rather have the lolly With money you can make the splash There is 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 nothing quite as wonderful as money Money, 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 nothing like a newly minted pound Money,
6: money, money, money Money. Money. Everyone
5: must hanker
2: for the bunchness of a banker It's
4: accountancy that makes the world (laughs) go round, round, round You
2: can keep your Marxist ways, but it's only just
5: a place For it's money, money, money money makes the world
4: go Money, money,
5: money, 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 money
4: I wanted to get some new girlfriends So I went and bought a Mercedes-Benz A waste of money 8,000 bucks down the drain I thought the girls would get wild and reckless So I bought cultured pearls And a diamond necklace A waste of money That cost me four thousand more They were returned I got no girls They repossessed Both the car And the pearls I styled my hair just like Cary Grant's. Bought a pair of those new tight pants. A waste of money. Household finance took my pants. (laughs) The female gender I just don't get it Just when I'm out of both cash and credit I found a honey And this is what's funny She don't need my money She works for household finance
6: the Just had the look, having rain. Grabbed a cone across my head I went upstairs and I had a cup Looking up, I noticed I was late Grabbed my coat, grabbed my hat Made the books and seconds flat. flat I went upstairs and I had a smoke Somebody spoke and I went into a dream oh, And though the holes were rather small, I had to count them all. Now they know how many holes it takes to fill up lover. fall. Oh, I love to turn. Amen. Program, don't you know? Come on! Come get out of here!